This is Yosemite Land, the Capital Public Radio podcast, where we look at how Yosemite National Park is changing and explore its future. I'm your host, Ezra David Romero. I keep talking about how Yosemite is like its own little city, with traffic and packed hotels and restaurants. But another thing it has in common with places like San Francisco are short-term rentals, like Airbnb. We're adding 20 or 30 every quarter at least, because people try to come to this area to see Yosemite. Rhonda Salisbury is the CEO of the Visit Yosemite Madera County Tourism Bureau. She says Airbnbs are booming near Yosemite. It opens up a whole new world for families vacationing, and it allows people to buy second homes. Rhonda says there just aren't enough hotel rooms to accommodate the more than 4 million people visiting Yosemite each year. She says short-term rentals filled that void. But even Rhonda admits they've made it tough for people to find places to live. Residents complain that tourists are overtaking their neighborhoods, and many workers in the Yosemite region can't find affordable places to live near their jobs and end up having long commutes. For them, short-term rentals are a disruption. And in this episode, we're going to explore the good and bad of it. Welcome to Yosemite Land. People in the mountain area around Yosemite know Katie Miller as the Mountain Madam. She got that name from her brothers. When I was starting my business, and they go, what are you gonna do, like sling houses all over the mountains? And I said, yeah. And so now it actually caught to the point where people don't even know my name. They'll just call and go, I, can I talk to the Madam, please? <laughs> I'm looking for the Mountain Madam. Now it's her brand. Katie's office is right off Highway 41, which leads into Yosemite. It's in the middle of the mountain town of Oakhurst. She's a realtor, and today she's driving me to an area north of town where she sold a home that's now listed on the short-term rental site Airbnb. So that's the Airbnb right here. There's a spiral staircase inside, all wood floors. They figured out how to maximize the space and put beds everywhere. Katie says the short-term rental market has skyrocketed over the past three years. She estimates that one out of five of the homes she sells are investment properties used for things like Airbnb. One of her clients bought a property with a cabin and a creek on it. He was going through the process of purchasing it. His wife came in like the day before we closed, looked at what she needed for the area, went to Fresno, bought brand new stuff, and boom, it was an Airbnb the next day. This buyer is just one of many people purchasing homes to use as a short-term rental. Katie realizes this trend has created a housing shortage. The short-term rentals have basically taken over our regular rentals market. So we have walk-ins every day. They're not looking to purchase a home. They're just looking for some avenue to help them find a rental. And we have nothing to provide them with. She says it's almost easier to buy a home than to find a long-term rental. There are about a thousand short-term rentals in the area. Some of the local governments offer guidelines or regulations, but they're not as stringent as other cities like Oakland, Berkeley, and San Francisco. Counties near Yosemite stand to make a lot of money from taxes on short-term rentals. Last year, Madera County collected more than $3 million from a hotel tax that includes Airbnb. Across the street from Kitty's office is the Yosemite Madera County Tourism Bureau. This is where people get information about hikes and transportation. 
My buddy Sergio is asking a question about how to get home using a bus service called Yarts. Good morning. Morning. Can I help you? So, I have a few questions about Yarts. I'm actually going to be taking this tomorrow to head back to Sacramento. I'm here to talk to the nonprofit CEO, Rhonda Salisbury, about how the short-term rental market is booming. Last year, we added about 200 or so that I know of. I don't know when it's going to, like, cap. Rhonda says this trend is great for a region with few industries and jobs. These homes are kept so much better than they were before when they're just empty, you know, where, where a homeowner could come up once or twice a year, like you said, and then, you know, maybe 20 years down the road, they're going to retire and fix it up. Now they're fixing up now so they can rent it. And they're making money. Not everyone here likes the idea of short-term rentals in their neighborhoods. Former Madera County Supervisor Gary Gilbert lives in a subdivision near Oakhurst. Make a left? Yeah, make a left. We're driving to see a two-story short-term rental a few houses away from his ranch-style property surrounded by oak and pine trees. And that's your vacation rental right there on the end. Gary doesn't like the idea of tourists showing up in his neighborhood every week. He says residential areas like the one he lives in aren't zoned for Airbnb, which he considers a hotel business. We did not know it was a short-term rental. Nobody notified us. Uh, there was no review. Uh, all of a sudden, we started noticing people walking around, families, dogs. Who are these people? With constant visitors and absentee owners, he says more regulations on short-term rentals are needed. What I'd like to see is the county first zone the property correct. Notify the public what's occurring. At the same time, county staff would inspect that facility. Does it have adequate water? Does it have adequate parking? In an area called Cascadell Heights, near where Gary lives, it got so bad that a resident filed a lawsuit against her neighbor over a short-term rental. Chris Hamilton sued in 2017. She doesn't like the idea of not knowing who's staying in the secluded mountain neighborhood of around 20 homes. It's very unsettling when you never know who's coming in your neighborhood, because if it changes every night, how on earth could you possibly know who's coming and going? Chris also worries about fire danger when tourists stay in short-term rentals. Her home burned down last summer in a wildfire. Yeah, it's not been pleasant, but we're under construction, so life's going on. This is such a high fire danger area, as is most of California. You know, introducing risk with transient occupants who may be from the city, come to the mountains, or, you know, they don't understand the fire dangers. Mark Stamas lives down the road. He watched the lawsuit go down. Yeah, it's neighbor warring against neighbor. There was never any effort to work it out. And it seems moot to me to even move forward because the issue's a non-issue now. By non-issue, he means that in the end, the Neighborhood Association voted to not allow short-term rentals. But while they're banned in this neighborhood, Madera County Planning Director Matt Traber says they passed an ordinance that makes short-term rentals legal. We just did not see the impact or the, the fear that some of the residents had. We just did not see it through our investigative work um, in looking at these complaints on those two homes up in North Fork. Carol Severe manages 40 short-term rentals in the area. She says they are her bread and butter. 
Without them, she also argues there would be fewer jobs in the region. She hires house cleaners, landscapers, and maintenance crews. It seems like the vacation rental homeowners take better care of their homes than the houses that are rented monthly because you want it looking great every time somebody walks in. Another person benefiting from short-term rentals is Arista Flanagan. This is like the living area. Yes, we have a main living area with a very large couch for up to 10 people. Um, and then over here we have a little bar area. Arista is a housekeeper, and she says the new rentals give her consistent year-round work. She cleans three Airbnbs for a homeowner that lives in San Diego. I can work four hours here where I'd have to work eight hours at my other job to make the same pay. So for me, it's very nice because I have two little kids. So it's nice to be able to go home and not have to be away from them all day. But for others, the lack of short-term rentals is making it hard to find a place to live. Matt Mellon works with people experiencing homelessness in Oakhurst. He says it's hard to tell just how many people the short-term rental market is displacing. But last fall, he knew of at least one family that was evicted after a homeowner turned his property into a short-term rental. They were living in a tent trailer for a while. Now they're having to move off of that property. And they have a little girl um, who's six years old. She's in first grade right now. And they're trying to go, how do I be homeless with a first grader? When I spoke with Matt, he was in a bind himself. Housing up here is, well, it's just about unavailable. <laughs> Even my wife and I that are looking to move into the area now have a hard time finding a rental. And I get calls once a week asking if I have any information on available housing. It's not just in the towns around Yosemite where short-term rentals are causing problems. The trend is creating issues inside the park as well. This impacts workers, which can also affect the visitor experience. Last spring, Ron Bourne was on track to hire a full custodial staff. He's with the maintenance division of the park. Of 30 seasonal custodial workers that we had positions with funds, we were only able to fill the 17 of those positions. Ron couldn't fill 10% of his workforce of about 300 people, including custodians, trail crews, and maintenance crews. They chose to not work in the park because of the lack of places to rent. Last year, one of his employees was in the process of trying to rent a house nearby. They were negotiating, and then the owner came back and said, no, I'm sorry, you know, I can't rent to you because I can make more. I can make my mortgage as an Airbnb. So I'm sorry I cannot do a long-term rental agreement. Almost a year later, the problem hasn't improved. Here's one of Yosemite's public information officers, Scott Gediman. I do know that some of my colleagues will have to offer a job to several people because although people might say, hey, you know, living in Yosemite, and that sounds like a great job, when they start looking into how much it costs to live here and the commute times, it's, it's not as attractive. And so it's a real quality of life issue. That worker shortage left the park a bit dirtier last summer. During busy months, hundreds used the restrooms daily at Lower Yosemite Fall, and fewer employees were available to clean them. Scott's showing me around. We're seeing that it's dirty. There's some litter I see. Somebody I noticed left some gloves and there's toilet paper. We would like the public to see a cleaner restroom than they're seeing now. Scott says one tour bus full of visitors can make it look like no one's cleaned this bathroom in a while. In the middle of the summer, we'll get 50 to 60 tour buses a day. With the staffing shortages that we experienced this summer, 
there were times when I, when I walked into it personally and it would just be a lot messier than it is now. It's not just temporary workers who are saying it's hard to find places to live. Kathleen Morse is Yosemite's division chief for strategic planning. Our permanent workforce is making good money, but they're not making enough to afford some of the, the better homes in the area. It hits everybody fairly equally. It's not like having the permanent job and the permanent salary gives you that much of a leg up. Kathleen says people have to live farther and farther away. She says hires have to make a decision. Is the long commute and cost of travel worth it? After a while, it takes a toll on a person. So we'll have people for a while, and then they'll fall off. They'll disappear, and they'll quit. And then we have to go through the hiring process again. So you lose efficiencies. And that means she and her team are going to have to come up with a solution. Scott Gediman says housing is a top priority for the new superintendent. And though although there's no concrete solution or not a lot has been made, I'll, I have to be clear about that, I think the fact that the issue itself has risen to the level of, I wouldn't say crisis, but it's a, it's a major concern. It's a concern that will be difficult to remedy. People want to make money off their properties, and tourists continue to want a cool place to stay that's not a hotel or a campsite. Visitors need accommodations, but so do the people who work in the park. There's no silver bullet here, but people have ideas. Like what if the Park Service builds more employee housing? Or what if an investor comes in and develops affordable apartments? And there's this, which is something several people mentioned as one of their biggest questions. What happens when this rental boom levels out? Yosemite Land is edited by Nick Miller. Sally Schilling is our podcast producer. Our digital editor is Chris Hagen. Linnea Edmire is the executive producer. Special thanks to Valley Public Radio and my buddy Sergio Robles. Our theme song is Arizona Moon by Blue Dot Sessions. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See photos, maps, and more stories on our website, capradio.org slash Yosemiteland. I'm your host, Ezra David Romero with Capital Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Yosemiteland. Land.